Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Nick Pollock, and I'm joined by the one, the only, Mr. Matthew Filipovitz. Matt, how are you doing? Nick, my TikTok algorithm is perfectly curated, and as of late, I've gotten a lot of Scottish folk music, and it's unlocked a new part of my personality I didn't know I had. Uh, turns out I really like like uh, like Scottish banjo music, so who would have known? So I'm learning a lot about myself this week. Do you do you have designs on learning to play the banjo yourself? I don't. Uh, I'm not very musically inclined. Nick, did your uh, elementary school have recorder karate? Re- Sorry, what? Oh, this is my favorite thing, people who don't know. My, I've, I feel like this is more common than maybe I'm giving it credit for, but my high school had recorder karate, so you had to learn songs on the recorder, and for every song you learned, you got a different belt. And then, like, if you wanted the black belt in recorder karate, you had to perform, like, in front of your parents, which is pretty funny, like, looking back on it as an adult. Uh, but I remember you had so much clout what if you could world? get, like, a higher-up belt. I only got the yellow belt. I did not make it very far in elementary school recorder karate. I refuse to believe that this is any more widespread true. than you think it is. I, if, you, if your high school did recorder karate, tweet at us, at PSUMath2005. <laughs> One of the most, one of the most absurd things I think I've ever heard of. Hundred percent. And though. also, why in the world would any high school educator? It wasn't high school. It wasn't high school. It was elementary school. It was elementary school. Oh, okay, okay. So they didn't have an option. You have to learn. Everyone, you have to learn recorder. You just do. Yeah. So, but okay. you guys just learned, you didn't have like then. karate to do it to make it fun. You just had to learn the recorder. No, we just wow. played recorder. Wild, interesting. No, yours is wild. <laughs> that is, I, you are the weird one here, not me. Sorry, I'm a yellow boat in recorded karate. Keep that in mind. <laughs> it's wonderful to know. We are shockingly not here to talk about recorders. We are actually here to talk about the Big Ten at large. Real quick before you do, if you're not subscribed already to the podcast, please make sure you do so on your platform podcast platform of choice and leave us a five-star review if you can if you have a question you could leave it in that nifty little q a feature on spotify i'll be sure to check those there we are here matt to actually talk about the big 10 at large given the two weeks of data that we now have with penn state set to start its uh you know dive into the conference this week when they head over to champaign to take on illinois i think it's a good time for us to step back and see you know what what have we learned so far about the conference? Granted, not going to be a whole lot, right? It's only been two weeks. We understand that. But I think there's still some, you know, interesting slash not interesting slash hilarious things that we can notice about the Big Ten to this point. So I think it's a good time to, you know, just take pause, take a step back from Penn State and take a look at the rest of the teams in the conference and then dive into how what they've done affects Penn State. So that's what we're going to do here today. And we're going to start, Matt, over in the Big Ten West because Penn State fans, we don't really need to care about the Big Ten West as much, obviously, as the East. But we are going to take a quick look at the teams that Penn State will play in the coming weeks here, as well as one more team, you know, one or two more teams that Penn State could potentially see um, in a Big Ten championship game should they make it that far. So, real quick, just the quick rundown. Currently in the Big Ten West, Minnesota is leading the division with a 2-0 record, 1-0 in conference. Um, Iowa is also 2-0. And then Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin, Northwestern all sit at 1-1, while the Nebraska Cornhuskers, hilariously, sit at 0-2. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. And honestly, Matt, that's the first thing that stands out to me when I'm thinking about 
well, the first thing I'll ask you about whether this is a surprise or not, when we look at Nebraska, I think we all are in agreement that Matt Rule seems to be a, you know, a pretty good program builder. Maybe he's not the guy that can help take your program to the next level. Maybe he shouldn't be coaching on an NFL sideline again anytime <laughs> soon. But he seems to be someone who can at least bring a po- program back from the brink and make them respectable. And yet Nebraska looks pretty much the same. Were we expecting too much too soon with Matt Rule? Maybe. I think uh you know, they're, they're a bad red zone turnover at the end of the first half away from beating Minnesota, uh, who is um, similar to Pitt right now, anti-offense. Minnesota hates scoring points. It's <laughs> fascinating. Uh, and then they kind of ran into a buzzsaw with Coach Prime's first game in Boulder. Like, that that was always going to get out of hand. I think he can definitely – he can push for bowl eligibility. I don't think that's unrealistic. I think they just need somebody else at quarterback, which is a bummer because I really like Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech. But, you know, it's just Matt Rule's, his rebuilds always take at least two years before you really see results. So I think it's just kind of a year one thing. Hopefully he bounces back here because I I know, you know, you always want to root for the Penn State alum, but it's a, it's going to be definitely an uphill battle. Thankfully, the Big Ten West is, is, I think, pretty wide open. So you never know. But I think there's definitely a path to like, five six seven wins here for Matt Rowe in year one so let's assume they beat northern Illinois this week and they beat I mean let's say they beat Louisiana Tech the week after also there's two wins mm-hmm. they have Michigan loss Illinois Northwestern Purdue Michigan State Maryland Wisconsin Iowa there's a path so you're to six basically there. so you have to beat Northwestern obviously most teams and will. you have to beat per and you have to beat Purdue probably. And then you just have to get one from Michigan State, Illinois, Maryland, uh, Maryland. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how confident I would say that they get to six this year, honestly, because, yeah, they were a bad turnover away from uh, beating Minnesota. But Nebraska has made it a skill to lose those games. <laughs> that so, is true. Yeah. Tough to say. I think the other team I want to talk about here, Matt, in terms of, um, wow, they really just kind of look the same. Wisconsin. This was wild. There was I a, can't believe there how was bad a lot they made. last week. Yeah. There was a lot made of how, well, let me rephrase. There was a lot made initially about this is brand new Wisconsin. Like the days of the, you know, the Barry Allen and just roll over from that. Barry Allen, Barry Alvarez, and, um, you know, so on from that is over. But they look pretty much the same, don't they? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm all for, like, Big Ten Conference pride. I'm very happy that Wazoo won that game because I feel bad that they're getting left behind in the expansion race. That is a very cool thing to have happen out there in Pullman. Um, So shout out to the Cougs. With that being said, it's going to take some time. Like, Clay Helton is as exciting as, like, a calculator. Like, that dude was unbelievably boring. And I think that that kind of got reflected into the culture of the team. It's going to take some time to make Wisconsin actually interesting and fun. I think Fickle's the guy who can get them there. But for now, it kind of has to be same as it ever was, at least for the first, I'm going to say, like, half of this season before they really know if the personnel that you know, Fickle and his staff came in and, and had in the cupboard already can do what they want to do. So I think this is, again, a team that's going to challenge for like seven, eight wins. But 
I don't really think that they're the odds away favorite to win the Big Ten West anymore. Going into the year, I felt like they could have been, but through two weeks, I think that crown has quickly shifted, um, shockingly, to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah. Also, quick note: Clay Helton not was not the Wisconsin. Head oh, coach. who am I thinking of? Paul. Christ Thank you. They look exactly the same. They look exactly alike. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, you know. I, they they can still turn around obviously mm-hmm. like there's it's a, it's a soft division they have plenty of time to you know ramp things back up and they also they ended up you know they weren't awful last year and they lost to Wazoo last year too at home mm-hmm. so um i think the interesting thing with wisconsin this year cuz it's not anything about the way they've played what i think is most interesting <laughs> is that Ches Malusi is actually outrushing Braylon Allen so far yeah i think that's a scheme uh, thing i think a lot of defenses are really scared yeah. of Braylon Allen and Malusi kind of benefits from being that uh that second guy in that pecking order yeah, Malusi right now, 206 yards rushing on the year, 8.2 yards per carry right now. Pretty Braylon good. Allen, 161 yards, 6.7 on the ground, so no slouch, obviously. But, um, like, on the one hand, yeah, you, I think fans of Wisconsin are probably like, well, what the hell's going on? Like, we were promised, like, a new, we thought we were going to throw the ball, we thought we were going to score a whole bunch of points this year. But at the same time, like, if you have two dudes running the football like that, like, you can probably get away with it most weeks. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. You mentioned Iowa, Mm -hmm. and that's the other place I wanted to go here. Kind of the same as Nebraska and Wisconsin, despite, you know, the Brian Ferentz contract stipulations that they got to score some points, despite uh, bringing in Cade McNamara to play quarterback. Cade McNamara is 29 of 52 on the season for 314 yards passing. I think he's hurt, though. I do do think he's a little banged up. Probably, yeah. yeah. But the run game is also averaging three point one yards per carry. I mean, so and they've yet to and they've yet to pass twenty five points in a game. I have so many thoughts on this. Please tell me. Brian Ferentz is the king of nepotism. Like there is absolutely no reason yes. this guy should have this job. He has it because his father has the head coaching job, and that's wildly unfair and disrespectful to a lot of promising young coaches, to their families, to the players, and to the Iowa Hawkeye fan base. This college program is not a family business, and just because Kirk Ferentz has been there since before the year 2000 does not give him the right to run this state-funded institution like a family business. It's horrible. It's a disgrace. It's awful. And this idea that putting this in his contract was a good idea, like, and it's a public school. You have to make it public. I understand how this thing works. The idea that you put this in here to clear 25 points per game not that impressive of a point threshold, I will say, no, is no. just humiliating. Like you're now it's embarrassing to the Ferentz family on top of already all of the shame they have brought to their name before by running this again, publicly funded institution like a family business. It's not right. It's a disgrace. Uh, I hope Penn State firebombs that team. That team has no right to be contending for a bowl game with how stale that offense looks against much inferior competition. Uh, and I will be, I think Iowa's going to make a bowl game. I think Iowa's going to win the West. And that is a damn shame because that teaches the Ferentz family nothing about what they're doing, that it is horribly wrong and wildly disrespectful. I will push back on one thing. I think it's actually very kind of Kirk Ferentz to not allow any other offense coordinators come have their careers ruined by his system. Well, so when in Ryan that goes, regard, Kirk goes. Like let's like, let's be honest here. If, well, it, yeah. if it's not if it can't be uh, Kirk's family business, he's not going to want to stay there. Like think about how no. many safeguards or not safeguards. What's the proper word I'm looking for here? Just think about how much like 
control a college football coach had in 1999 compared to what they have in 2023. Like, I'm sure the way Kirk runs that program, at least in some respects, is closer to that 1999 version than it is to the 2023 version that it should be run like. So I'm sure he knows once, you know, he loses that power of having his family in that building, he loses a lot of what he's liked about college football. And that's allowed him to make himself very, very wealthy and his family very, very wealthy. So I think once Brian goes, Kirk hangs it up, uh, and Iowa goes to hire, I, I don't even know what happens after this. But this is just, it's an absolute shame, and I hope i hope Penn State shuts them out in the whiteout in a couple weeks. And of course, let's not forget the rampant racism running through the Iowa coaching staff for however long that was taking place, mm-hmm. probably forever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, that's going to be one of the more, when when that job finally does open up, that's going to be a fascinating coaching It's going to be coveted. That's a I phenomenal job. The Iowa job is like a top 15 job in America. I truly believe that. They have enough money. They have enough of a large brand. And if you can make, like, I think that... It, great it, home crowd. Great home crowd. Like, I think that... Um, is it Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator could easily stay Mm -hmm. there similar to Bud Foster. Like you're going to have that culture. If you had anybody who like, wasn't like so dead set on keeping football in the 20th century as head man of that program, you could be a really cool and fun program. And it's a shame that that's not the case, but it's good for Penn state. It'll happen just in time for there to no longer be a big 10 West for them to even win. So well done. (laughs) Well done, Iowa all around. Um, is there anything else that you've noticed this year so far in the Big Ten West that has surprised you, Matt? I mean, Illinois Western is as bad as expected. Yeah, yeah Illinois. Illinois is interesting to me. I think Illinois is a better team than I think their record may indicate, or like the the final scoreboard mm. says a lot of the time. I think that I'm actually torn between two ways here. I think Illinois definitely could have been a little bit of a look ahead game with conference play opening up against Kansas last week. They were playing on a short week on the road on a weeknight. That's a tough environment, no matter how you slice it. I do wonder if there's a little bit of, you know, Bert always get Brett, Bert, LOL. Uh, Brett Bielma always gets his guys up for a lot of very big games. But it does make me think back, Nick. Do you remember the, um, the Penn State Maryland game back in 2019? I know you do, but. If you remember, Maryland... 2019, was that the game at M&T Bank? Uh, no, that was the game at College Park where Penn State won by like 59 points. Oh, oh, the Friday night game. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that game, if you remember thinking back to it, it's a pretty similar to what Penn State, the situation Penn State's in right now. I believe that was also week three, I want to say, where Penn State was 2-0. and It was definitely early. Yep, Penn yeah. State was already 2-0. and Maryland was 1-1, and and they were coming off a road loss to Temple. And everybody kept on saying, this is going to be a closer game than we expected. I mean, Maryland was definitely looking ahead. And then I think it was even Matt Leinert picked Maryland to win that game outright. And, you know, look how that went. I don't know if that we're heading towards a similar thing this upcoming week. I don't think we are because I think Bielema can get his guys up. But I think we're really quickly learning how special that Illinois 2022 secondary was. And to see that this front for Illinois is still super disruptive, but without those guys in the secondary to make quarterbacks hold that ball for that extra second, it's really making a big impact on the defense as a whole. So that's a space I'm monitoring for Illinois. I think, again, they can push for a bowl game, but I think you and I, Nick, both feel a lot more comfortable about the game this upcoming week, and we'll get into it on our podcast on Friday, previewing the game. But Illinois not being where I expect them to be kind of tells me that they're still in that building mode and Illinois and Brett Bielema just isn't the kind of guy or kind of program that can build it up 
in like fewer than five years. I think it takes about five years for what Bielema wants to do to really get the program in a space he feels comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, we can say that Illinois is better than they've shown all we want, but they allowed 539 yards of offense to Kansas and 416 yards of offense to Toledo. Not great. So, Not great. <laughs> at a certain point, you, I mean, yeah, sure, you can say they're, they've been looking ahead to week three against Penn State, but like giving up 477 yards on average in your first two games is not, not a good look and no not, matter, not, no matter not, who you're playing. Like, if you would have thought Illinois was like going to be like looking kind of mid, you would have thought it would have been the offense not being able to find their groove yeah. after losing Tommy DeVito and Chase Brown. And the, the offense has looked mostly fine. I mean, it took a phenomenal ball and catch from Luke Altmaier against Toledo to even get the win in that game. But it's just, uh, I'm just surprised by how Illinois has looked not great. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting flip for Illinois, right, to now. And again, well, the last thing we'll say about Illinois before we move on, because we'll talk about them in just a couple of days. But um, it's an interesting flip for them being all of a sudden it's it's all about Luke Altmaier, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, you stop Luke Altmaier, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's their leading rusher. He's obviously their leading passer. He's the only one playing quarterback. Like, it is it is very different than last year's yeah. Illinois team. You're not kidding. Um, and yet they seem to have regressed in the areas that really made them special last year. Mm -hmm. So going to be a tough look. So overall, Matt, do you think anything that's really happened in the big 10 West so far affects Penn state in any notable way? It seems like the teams they're going to play, they're either underachieving like Illinois, or they are what we thought they were with Iowa and Northwestern um, and Wisconsin and theoretical uh, championship game. Is there anything to even care about as a Penn State fan here? Uh, I mean, Big Ten's always intriguing, and I think people are going to have to start monitoring. Is it always intriguing? Uh, is it always Nick, we're, intriguing? Nick, you and I are both sickos, so you and I both find a lot of joy in watching really weird and bad football games. Uh, that's why we're Bears and Seahawks fans as well. Um, shout out to our beloved NFL team. <sighs> um, I do think that um, fans are going to quickly begin monitoring the cross-divisional records of everybody as we get into Big Ten play, mm. because as we all know, if it goes to a three-way tie in the Big Ten East, the tiebreaker is going to be your opponent's winning percentage against one another, and in that respect, I like the fact that Penn State has Iowa on the schedule, and that's... Everybody else kind of feels like it's uh, it could just be everybody finishes, like, what is it? They play nine games, like four and five in the conference. That feels like for everybody but Northwestern, that feels very possible in the God. West. God. That's, God, I cannot wait for divisions to be gone so we can just pretend the Big Ten West never existed. What an absolute <laughs> tire fire of a division. Um, speaking of things that are not tire fires, though, Matt, let's talk about home field apparel. You know home field apparel. What a transition. They have... <laughs> They have all the greatest collegiate apparel you could possibly ask for. Shirts, sweatshirts, hoodie, sweatshirts, hoodies, same thing. Uh, joggers, hats, all that good stuff. Long sleeve shirts. We love Homefield here at Roar Lines Roar. They've been longtime friends of the podcast, been our sponsor since uh, we moved to the podcast only medium. Uh, but, you know, there's really not anything bad you can say about their stuff. It's incredibly comfortable. The designs are meaningful. They look through the yearbooks, find that cool stuff that makes sense to you as a fan, a possible alum, whatever you are. 
and we are very happy to be able to offer you 15% off of your first order at homefieldapparel.com if you use the code RLR23, all caps, all one word, at checkout. That will get you 15% off of that entire first order in your cart, whether it truly is your first time visiting homefieldapparel.com or it's just your first time using that new email address. We don't make the rules. Go crazy with that. Um, But, you know, we love their stuff. Matt, are you wearing anything home field today? Uh, not today, but I was at Beaver Stadium so, yeah. on uh, on Saturday, and I did see more than a few home field apparel shirts, and that made me very excited. Yeah, yeah, we you know, we love love seeing their stuff in the wild, love representing them. Great partners, love working with them. So big thanks to Home Field for sponsoring the podcast. Make sure you visit homefieldapparel.com. Use that code RLR23, 15% off of your first order at checkout. Matthew, Yo. let's talk about the far more interesting half of the Big Ten Conference, and let's hop over to the Big Ten East. So far, you want to do twenty minutes on Rutgers? Two... <laughs> so far, through the first two weeks of the season, Ohio State, Rutgers, Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State all sit at two and zero, while Indiana sits at one and one. First of all, polar opposite of the Big Ten West. I think that there are surprises with almost every one of these programs. So we can go a little bit deeper into all these, but I'd like to start with Ohio state. And I think the big kind of takeaway from their first two weeks is that, Oh boy, they look human. No, Nick, I have a bigger takeaway here. (laughs) The biggest takeaway here is how rigged the NCAA is for not allowing Ohio State to score as many points. You hear Ryan Day go out there. It's it's a shame. And it's such a shame that he's saying that because of the new clock rules, nobody's scoring that many points. And then when you look into it and you see that other teams are doing it, it's just so clear that it's just an Ohio State problem. uh, And the NCAA is out to get Ohio State and it's Buckeyes versus the world. I've always said this. uh, When will the conference uh, and the the, – collegiate governing body think of the little guys in columbus um but in all seriousness nick they look ohio state fans are happy about the fact that penn state scored more points this week than ohio state scored on the season so far Uh, i think it's pretty funny um i am monitoring a space where ohio state had quinniors and probably could have gotten drew aller if they didn't have quinniors and ends up with neither of them starting a game ever and both of them uh, go on to eventually be heisman finalists that's a space i'm monitoring that would be very funny (laughs) Um, Ohio State's going to figure it out. Ohio State is not going to be a trash football program. Their head coach doesn't have the Urban Meyer sicko part of his brain that fires when it's time to go for the kill. He just doesn't. Very few coaches do. With that being said, I am monitoring single-digit win Ohio State this year. It's definitely something that I am monitoring. (laughs) The offense looks bad. The offense looks out of sync. The line does not look great. Granted, you can beat a lot of teams if your offense is throw it to Marvin Harrison Jr. or Emeka Ibuka. It's a very sound yes, strategy okay. with Trayvon Henderson mixed in there as well in the running game. Their defense, I think, might be good. I need to see them play a team that's not coached by Tom Allen and not in the FCS before I really make a call on that front. Western Kentucky is basketball on grass. I am actively monitoring that game this weekend. I want to see how Ohio State plays and take away anything that I can from them actually playing an offense with a pulse. Ohio State is going to be a threat. They're going to be a contender in the Big Ten. But again, I've talked about this is the window year for Penn State. 
I feel more confident in that now because Ohio State does not look like a team that's designed to compete with Georgia or Alabama or like, um, oh my God, who's another like, who's that? Who's even that top tier in the in college football anymore, Nick? Is it just Georgia on its own now after Alabama just lost? Um, I think Florida, I mean, for this year, I think it's fair to put Florida State up there in for Michigan, now. In and Michigan. Michigan. Okay, so Ohio State's not built, I don't think they're built to compete. USC with, until they lose. Yeah, I think Ohio State's built as a tier 1B team like Penn State. That's fine to exist in, but for the folks in Columbus, that could be meltdown mode. So I'm very intrigued to see what they do against Notre Dame in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's, you know, our biggest questions about Ohio State's heading into the year were, how's the offensive line going to hold up losing multiple starters? And what are they going to get out of the quarterback position with uh, Kyle McCord? Mm-hmm. Real quick, McCord had a really, yes. What, what record do you think Ohio State's going to have through two games? Where do you fall here? Through two games? Yes. Yeah. What do you... Oh, you like through the next two No, like project their record for the remainder of the season. What are they going to finish at? Oh, oh. Um, I... If you ask me right now, I mean, if I want to be faithful to my original prediction, I still have them beating Penn State. And until I see both of them play more similar teams i would be disingenuous to back off of that however i don't think a loss to notre dame is out of the cards so i think i'll say 10 and 2 what what has ohio state shown you on the field in 2023 to make you think they can beat notre dame two of notre dame penn state and michigan like it feels like we're thinking of ohio state as good because of the name that they're ohio state like it feels very similar to what we a lot of people said about Texas and Alabama. Like Texas wasn't going to be able to go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama because it's Alabama. Like, okay, have you watched 2023 Alabama? Clearly that's a different beast than it was five years ago. I think Ohio State, again, is in that direction. So still a great program. Still I, I, could prove me wrong. But again, if you're being outscored by Iowa week one, and if you're whining that you can't score enough points in the FCS game week two, that's a cause for concern for me. I do think their defense is better. And oh, I think sure. it was always going to be better mm-hmm. in year two under Jim Knowles. Um, and I think if that defense is going to be better, because there's a ton of talent on that defense. So if that unit is going to be better than it was last year, and even if McCord is not, you know, even even if he's not like a top four quarterback in the conference, like you said, you have arguably the two best wide receivers in the country that you're throwing the ball to. And it doesn't take much to get the ball their way. You just have to actually throw the football. <laughs> I think that's what McCord. I think that's what McCord learned this week. He's like, Hey, all I need to do is just get the ball in the air. And Marvin Harrison jr. Is going to catch it. You'd think he would know that from playing with him in high school, but you know, beside the point, I think they're still, you know, just purely talented enough to, not lose all three of those games. Um, I will feel a lot more comfortable, obviously, making predictions about what will happen in the Penn State and Michigan games after I see the Notre Dame game, because mm-hmm. Notre Dame looks pretty Notre good. Notre Dame looks really good. Um, let's move on, though, from Ohio State. We'll we'll circle back around, and let's just briefly talk about Michigan. Um, you know, serious, before we move oh, forward, are they playing or just are they, are they, it. Have they joined the season yet? Rest in peace, Jim Harbaugh. Just I too soon. gone too soon. too soon. 
touching tribute, touching tribute before week one. It's so um, rare just, that somebody, um, you know, moves on three times in a season and comes out to a press yeah. conference the next day, every single week. It's, you just, you really, you got to respect, you got to respect what he's doing there. Mm-hmm. It, it's unheard of, mm-hmm. unheard of to see what he's doing. Ghost um, coach. More seriously. Ghost coach. <laughs> more seriously. Uh, I think the only real takeaway, well, I think there's two takeaways for me right now with Michigan. One, J.J. McCarthy looks very good. Um, I think he's looked very, very good throwing the football. I think he looks more confident. I think he looks more poised. That should be worrisome from a Penn State perspective. But on the other hand, the Michigan run game has been not as good as you would expect. It's Um, a scheme thing, though, I think. Yeah, and it could be, but it's also like Blake Corum's not the same, and that's to be expected. And if you ask any Michigan fan about that on Twitter, they'll say, oh, well, he still reaches the same top speed of last year. Blah, blah, blah. He just doesn't quite look the same. He just looks like one cut slower, mm-hmm. I think. And, which is totally fair. Like He's a know, kid who's coming off a which pretty serious fine. lower yeah. body injury. Like It's not hate to the poor kid. I, I personally, I think he should have sat these first two weeks and got a little bit healthier. Yeah, yeah. And Donovan Edwards is a stud, too, mm-hmm. in his own right. Like, you you still have a stud running back. But if they're not going to be able to run over teams the way they did last year, then it becomes a question of, is J.J. McCarthy good enough? He's looked really good, like I said. Is he good enough to run over those teams for his run game if they're not going to be able to do it? And, you know, that Michigan receiver room is really talented, it's but it's a lot of smaller dudes though mm-hmm. like it's it's not these big overpowering like donovan people's jones sized guys out there so there's you know questions to be asked about what happens when you face more physical cornerbacks like penn states mm-hmm. like there's there's questions there so um i guess overall like are you do you are you do you think michigan's fine I, is there anything that if you were a wolverine fan would you be worried i can't tell what michigan is because I, I don't think Michigan is not treating their opponents with any kind of respect, like by straight up alternating head coaches on a quarterly on like on a half basis. So like I can't give a take on Michigan and like take them seriously until they start taking themselves seriously. And that's kind of where sure. I felt like I think they're going to be fine. I think they're probably going to win 10 games. Uh, do I buy? Do I? Th- we talked about this in the Slack, Nick. Do I believe Jim Harbaugh is the f- will be the first Big Ten coach in history to go twenty four and zero in the regular season in, in a two year stretch? Because if they go what people mm-hmm. think they will, that has to be the case. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is the coach to do that. So I think they take a loss somewhere. That's a couple weeks down the line. And again, that's maybe not a slight to this team. That's just take a step back. I am going to bet bet against anybody to not go undefeated in, in the Big Ten in a, in a regular season two years in a row in the Big Ten. I just don't think that's possible. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, Matt, my next note here on my outline is uh, colon, or sorry, not colon. Uh, it's a bullet point, and it just says Sparty dead. Yeah. Um, so. We'll talk about the Mel Tucker of it all just briefly. Uh, I do not believe he will coach a game again in East Lansing. Uh, he released a statement today through his lawyer, uh, which sounded like a man not fighting for his job, but fighting for his payout. Uh, so yeah. that is a unfortunate situation. I, I will say, I, I will give a hat tip to Michigan state. It sounded like from every single person on like com- NCAA compliance, Twitter, like title nine compliance, Twitter, that they handled this the right way and let the, uh, the woman who was, um, involved release it on her own terms. And that's a step in the right direction for college sports as a whole that 
the Title IX office did their job, uh, and we'll kind of move on from there. I think Sparty is capital B bad. I do not think they will make a bowl game, uh, and we'll see how the Washington game goes this week. <laughs> I have to play Washington this week. <laughs> on Peacock, though. How, oh, how is this game on Peacock, man? That's wild. Because of Michigan State. That's why. Yes. Easy. Like, you'd think, like, some network would want this. <sighs> I mean, is it legal to show murder on live television? Yeah, I guess. Uh, who's to say? HBO is premium cable. Yeah, I think I think you got to stream it so you can, you know, you, you can get the little tape delay to your, in your favor in that regard. Um, yeah, Sparty's down bad. They're going to continue to be down bad. Maryland struggled a little bit with charlotte this it's past september week. maryland i'll take them seriously when it's time um i will say did you see but did, normal september maryland is winning these games like 72 to 3 and all their fans are screaming about how this is the year uh, that actually makes me feel a little bit more optimistic i think they're learning how to win gross ways and not just blowing out inferior competition. <laughs> i think they're actually playing like playing st- a strategic brand of football uh, also real quick nick did you see maryland yes. got one vote in the ap top 25 who? I wish we got. So I here's, wish we here's got a the, connection. Actually, wait, no, they think of those grids. Who has it? I know. I, I I'm going to quiz you on this. It's a team okay. that Maryland in the last decade played a home and home series against, and Maryland swept it. Texas. It is Texas. The uh, the Texas affiliated <laughs> writer for the AP poll has Maryland number twenty five. <laughs> so that made me laugh today when I saw that. Oh, that's too good. Mm-hmm. Isn't that perfect? Could you it, could you imagine any what? other person putting it there? Like the only the only justification for that can be I don't know who to put twenty five. Remember Maryland? They were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's toss him in. Like that's the only that's the only justification I can think of that makes any sense whatsoever. Also, I'm not going to attack a, an AP voter because I'm not a loser. Um, but John Wilner, uh, out I think it's San Jose State he's affiliated with, or at least has that marker next uh-huh. to his name. Uh, he's a good guy actually. He has uh, I reached out to him when I, when we were written medium and asked for his thoughts on his ranking for Penn State, and he got back to me. So he gets a pass in my book. Uh, but with that being said, John, having Penn State as twelfth in your rankings is absolutely <laughs> insane. Maybe you're doing it just on a resume basis. In that case, uh, it's kind of weird. You have teams with L's ahead of Penn State in that regard. But, you know, to each their own. Yeah, John, you seem like a good guy, but you probably shouldn't have that vote, my friend. Not that it matters. Again, none of this matters. AP poll doesn't matter. Coach's poll doesn't matter. None of it matters. So whatever, you know. I'd actually, it'd actually be way funnier if because it doesn't matter, if guys just really started going off the rails with their rankings. Yeah, like ranking Maryland. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just like that. But put them at like 20, just just because. Yep. For no no good reason otherwise. Maryland um, might be top okay, 25 Matt. good this year, in all seriousness. Maryland actually might be a pretty good team. They might be. Yeah, they might be. Um, not much to say about Indiana. Uh, they're going to hit you. That's about it. Uh, Rutgers. 2-0. Kind of seems like they're going to do the same thing. Yeah, they're, they are 2-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to play great defense, probably, until they face teams that have more firepower than the defense might not hold up so well. But... Um, they're probably not going to score a whole lot, even though Wimsat looks better. Mm-hmm. He does. They'll get but, to three and zero. I think they play Wagner this week. They'll get to three and zero before they got to uh, before Jim Har- Harbaugh returns uh, and gets to make have, his triumphant uh, return. They do not have Wagner this week. You know who they have? Oh, mm, Indiana. Brent Pry. Oh, Virginia Tech. That's right. Yeah, Virginia Tech. And then they've it's got, Wagner. They've got after Tech that. at home. Okay. Yeah, they've got Tech at home. Right. Rutgers favored by six and a half in that game. And uh, then they go to Michigan. But they have Wagner in there, then too, right? Then they play Wagner. Okay, okay. Then they play Wagner. All right, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. 
it's a very interesting spot on the schedule for Wagner. I mean, not as interesting as UMass on Penn State's schedule, but um, so Matt, given all of that, based on what you've seen so far in the Big Ten East, first question: Do you feel now more or less confident in Penn State's ability to win the East? I mean, it has to be more, Nick. What? Just twenty twenty three alone. What Big Ten East offense has looked better than Penn State? I will answer that question with a question. Do you know which Big Ten team has scored the most points in 2023? Oh, is it East or West? Is it across the conference? It is in the East. In the East. Is it Rutgers? Most most points scored overall. Is it Rutgers? It is not Rutgers. Is it, no, it can't be. Is it Sparty? No, I'm surprised you're not getting this because it is your Penn State. Oh, well, he made it sound like it wasn't. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be Penn State then. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Penn State, Penn State has scored 101 points. Do you know who is second and how many or do you have a guess as to who is second and how many points they have scored? Penn State has scored 101. Clearly, I suck at guessing. Um, I'm going to go with Michigan State with 79. Michigan State and Maryland are tied for second, both with 76. That's pretty good from my perspective. Yeah. it is. That's an excellent guess. Well done. Penn State is nearly 30 points clear of the next closest team in terms of points scored. Again, doesn't really mean anything. They play Delaware, whatever. But but also, Nick, that's who not was, a place that Penn State's really accustomed to be. Who has a better resume than Penn State right now in the Big Ten East? Anybody? Hmm. I mean, you could argue, uh, is Indiana a better win than West Virginia? Probably not. Probably not. Uh. I mean, I think that's at least a toss-up okay. right. between Ohio State and Penn State. I mean, just with the results on the field, I think Penn State has to be the favorite in the East. Like, I, I think people are really—people, I think, really get stuck on because X hasn't happened, X won't happen. Like, okay, Texas couldn't beat Bama. They did. Texas State couldn't beat Baylor. They did. Like, it, it's just— the game evolves so much over the years. And this again, just feels like a year for Penn state just with what we've seen through two weeks. And it's not nearly a big enough sample size, but you know, at time of recording, you know, we're just kind of just spitting how we feel right now. And that's kind of where I stand. If you could pick one development over these first two weeks in the big 10 East, that if you could pick the, the one thing that has happened or the one thing you've noticed that affects Penn state the most, that is not something Penn State themselves have done. Mm. What would that be? I want more videos of people roasting the Indiana like luxury boxes, which look like tents. <laughs> Those are pretty funny. <laughs> That's been a fun development, or lack thereof. Um, not what I was thinking, but no, I like a that fun answer. development. I, I think it would be very interesting to see like how Ohio State's quarterback situation continues to evolve with that offensive line. Like I want to see if that offensive line gels, if it kind of is what it is. Cause I think if it stays how it is, and I, I kind of think it's not going to get much better. I think the edge rushers in that Penn state, Ohio state game could have a banner day, which would be crazy yeah, to think about because you know, it's Dion Barnes going against his old position coach and Larry Johnson, Jr. That'll be a fascinating, you know, mm. story to monitor in a couple weeks. I like that. I hadn't thought about that. Also, by the way, if you're listening right now and you can hear the, landscaper who is blowing dirt off the street for some reason as if that's not a fine place for it to be apologies for that um yeah i I hadn't thought about that little subplot that's an interesting one um but yeah i agree i think the the lack of 
the lack of McCord or Brown coming out and right away being awesome is probably the most notable development for Penn State. In this case, a positive one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could also make an argument that McCarthy looking as good as he has is equally as notable, but in a negative way for Penn State, mm-hmm. obviously. For sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall it's been pretty positive for Penn State. Like there's a reason that, you know, Bill Connolly over at ESPN like was gushing about that in the lines. They moved up to fourth in his SP plus rankings. Could like, this year have started any better for Penn State, Nick, so far? Um, I mean, probably not because I mean, realistically, Ohio State or Michigan aren't going to lose. Yeah. So you make two more field yeah. goals. I think, oh. you know, I don't have any more complaints and that's pretty much only separating me from like the dream start to this Penn State season through two games. Make two more field goals and don't allow a 66 yard rush to Delaware. And then, yeah, you're you're sitting at a point differential of what? That'd be 108 to uh, 15. That'd be good. That'd be quite the start. Pretty right good. There. Pretty good. <laughs> That would put you in the realm of Michigan. Michigan and Ohio State have both allowed only 10 points, but they've both scored 65 and 58, respectively. Rutgers has only allowed 14. They've only scored 60. Uh, Minnesota has only allowed 16, but they've only scored 38. Dude, Minnesota's um, offense is like an affront to God. It's so bad. They have dude. scored the second fewest points in the Big Ten so far. It's the so only bad. team that scored less than them is Nebraska I mean, with twenty four. Granted, they played a Big Ten foe. Like they played Power Five competition, sure. but like, dude, that that <laughs> PJ Fleck may have hit his head on the ceiling there. I hate to say it. It oh oh yeah oh yeah he hit his head on the ceiling and he is not able to break through. No, he cannot. Um, Matt. I Yo. think that just about does it here for us tonight. Do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, it'll be fun. Like, listen, this could be wildly outdated in a matter of like a week. There's not that many exciting games coming up in week three, but week four is going to be a banger year, banger week for the conference. Like you get Ohio State, Notre Dame on at the same time as Penn State, Iowa. That's going to be awesome to be yeah. able to flip between those channels. You get the start of Big Ten play for a lot of teams usually comes right around this time of the year. It's only going to get more interesting from here. And college football... Like, LSU has a loss already. Clemson has a loss already. Alabama has a loss already. Ohio State feels vulnerable. This feels like a chaos season. And a team like Penn State, putting on their hard hat and taking care of business is exactly what I want to see out of my alma mater so far. So it's going to be a very intriguing end of the month of September. And I'm very excited that Penn State now gets this run of the three Big Ten West teams that they face in the crossover part of the schedule, UMass, and then it's all Big Ten East to close out the year. So every game starts to matter a whole lot more here in just a couple days. Yeah, as we've mentioned, it is a incredibly favorable schedule for Penn State, and hopefully our Nittany Lions are able to take advantage of it. But that is going to do it for here for here for us tonight here at roar lions roar once again if you are not subscribed and following us please make sure you do so wherever you listen to your podcast and also please make sure to check us out on youtube as well you can subscribe you can click the like button you can click the alert button all that stuff so you're always up to date on what we're doing as far as the podcast goes and i say this knowing i've made this promise before i am going to attempt to start cutting up our videos. I'll still post the full podcast on YouTube, but I'm going to attempt to cut out maybe the more interesting portions and post them as standalone videos as well. Um, just hopefully hopefully make it a bit easier to consume the content if you only have you know 10 minutes here and there. Um, so again, could be an empty promise. Not, not going to go on and say it's, it's 100% going to happen, but 
they're not legally binding, but I'm going to do my best to make that happen. Um, as I mentioned on the previous podcast, our Illinois podcast preview will be coming on Friday this week. That's what we're going to try to stick to that schedule going forward. When we do have midweek podcasts, you'll see the uh, recap podcast on Mondays, the midweek pod on Wednesdays, and then the preview on Fridays on the weeks where we continue to only have two. So no midweek, you'll see the recap on Monday and the preview on Thursday instead. Um, so you know if you see one on, on Wednesday pop up, you know the preview won't be coming until Friday. Hopefully that is easy enough to figure out on your end. Um, but once again, make sure you visit homefieldapparel.com. Use that code RLR23 at checkout. For my co-host, Matt Filipovitz, I'm Nick Pollock. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Go State. Go State.